it's now time for us to, uh, to move on and uh, it's time to uh, read uh, our passages from the Bible for this evening. The first uh, passage is uh, from Leviticus chapter 19 which can be found on page 85 of the Church Bibles starting at the first verse. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbath, and I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burnt up. If it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and it will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because he has desecrated what is holy to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbour or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favouritism to the great, but judge your neighbour fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbour's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your, your neighbour frankly so that you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a woman who is a slave girl promised to another man but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom, there must be due punishment. Yet they are not to be put to death because she had not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance to the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord. With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for the sin he has committed and his sin will be forgiven." When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. 
but in the fifth year you may eat its fruit. In this way your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. Do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Do not practice divination or sorcery. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. When an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself, for you are aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah and an honest hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Ian. Hello. Welcome to church tonight. If I haven't met you, my name's Paul. There's a few new faces out there. You've joined us in our last week in the book of Leviticus. Tonight we've got 11 chapters from uh, chapter 17 to chapter 27. I need help, so I'm going to pray. And I hope you'll join me as I pray. Father, we just sung that soon we're going to see Jesus face to face and gaze at his glory. And Lord, we long for that day when we are taken from this world and uh, we are in a place where there's no pain or suffering and no sickness and no death and disease. Until that day, Lord, help us please to, to be eager to learn how to live as you want us to live. Uh, what we're to do and not do. Uh, Give us obedient hearts and minds. Uh, Shake us, please, so that we actually hear tonight. And so I do pray your spirit would be at work powerfully uh, uh, within this congregation tonight. I ask it for Jesus' precious sake. Amen. We're going to begin tonight with a game called Fill in the Blank. Here's a verse from the Bible. Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Without blank, no one can see the Lord. How would you fill in that blank? Without blank, no one can see the Lord. Without grace, no one can see the Lord. That would be a great Bible verse, but it's not what it says. Without faith, no one can see the Lord. That would be great, but it's not what the Bible says. Without... Righteousness, no one can see the Lord. That would be a great Bible verse. It's not what the Bible says. Without justification, no one can see the Lord. That would be awesome. It's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Anyone know? Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Does that shock you? 
The Bible says that unless you are living lives that are set apart for his glory, unless you are striving to be holy, you will not see the Lord. That surprises me because we're saved by grace. Tonight we're going to grapple with this topic of holiness. It's been really the big theme of Leviticus, God is holy. Remember that? God is holy. He is intrinsically unapproachable. He is completely pure, completely perfect, totally other. He is the creator. We're his creatures. And yet he calls us to be holy. Be holy for I am holy. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And through the New Testament, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. I want to talk about holiness tonight. It's such an important topic. Some great books written on it. Jerry Bridges wrote a book called The Pursuit of Holiness. That's a very old cover. It's a much more modern cover now. Uh, this book called uh, A Passion for Holiness by, by Jim Packer. Great read. My particular favorite is a book called Holiness by J.C. Ryle. This is the uh, amended or the abridged version, much easier to read. Great book. But when I mention that word holiness... How do you feel? What goes through your mind when you say, okay, a sermon on holiness? Maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling crushed and just burdened by a sermon on holiness. And you're sitting here thinking, not again. I'm going to listen to a sermon being told what I can do and what I can't do. I'm going to leave here feeling guilty and crushed and burdened by the weight of needing to be holy. Maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling energized by a sermon of holiness. That kind of, you know, bring it on, Paul. Come on, show me. Tell me what I can do and what I can't do. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go and be holy. I'm going to leave here feeling self-righteous and self-justified and just smug because I want to be holy. Maybe you're just indifferent. You know, I couldn't care less about holiness. But I reckon most of us here would kind of look at our lives and you think, yeah, I could do with a bit of top tips on holiness in this area. Because we, we kind of compartmentalize our lives, don't we? It's like our, our calendar and our computer, different colors for different, different parts of our life, our, our work life, our church life, our family life, our social life. And, you know, I'll, I'll flick the holiness switch on when I walk into church and I'll smile and be nice to people and I'll flick the holiness switch on on a Wednesday night in my connect group, and I, I might flick the holiness switch in my family life, but my work life, no, I don't need to be holy there. Well, tonight we're going to look at holiness, because God demands that we are holy. It's not an optional extra. No exceptions, no excuses. If you're a Christian here tonight, if you, you call yourself washed in the blood of Jesus, you're called to be holy. And as I prepared this sermon this week, as I've grappled with these, these verses, I've just realized that my longing for you tonight, my desire for you tonight, is not to leave here feeling crushed or burdened or guilty. Please don't just hear that call to be holy and think, oh, I could never do it. My desire and my longing is that you would leave this building tonight with a heart that so loves God and so loves Jesus that you just want to be holy. Your heart's desire, your very yearning and longing is, I just want to be like my God. Please, Lord, show me how I can be holy for you. 
Tonight we're coming to the last sermon of Leviticus. Let me give a quick overview if you haven't been here. The big theme is God is holy. God is completely set apart. So how can unclean people come into the presence of a holy God? The answer is sacrifice. Chapters 1 to 7, animals are sacrificed morning and evening, uh, and their blood is shed to make atonement for the sins of the people, to cover the wrath of God at those sins of the people. And what do we shout here today? Yea, for Jesus. He's our sacrifice. How can you bring a sacrifice? Chapters 8 to 10. You need a priest. You need a man who will mediate for you on your behalf. And we shout, yea, for Jesus. He is our priest. Why do you need a priest? Why do you need sacrifice? Because you're unclean, you know? Chapters 11 to 15, just living in this world makes you unclean. The blemishes on your skin, your daily bleedings, your, the food that you put into your mouth, it makes you unclean. And what do we shout? Yea, for Jesus. We are clean, totally cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What about the sins of the people? What about the unintentional sins of the Israelites? Well, there's a day of atonement where all the people gather together and all the sins of all the people are cleansed and removed as far as the east is from the west. And we shout, yea, for Jesus, because he is that day of atonement. He is a sacrifice. He is the priest. And then you come to chapters 17 to 27, and it's all about rules and rituals and regulations and laws, and it's all about being holy. That word appears 28 times in these chapters. Holy, 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 holy. Here's a few. Chapter 19, verse 2. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Flick over to 20, verse 7. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. 20 verse 26. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy. And I've set you apart from the nations to be my own. 21 verse 15. I am the Lord who makes him holy. Let's look at tonight how to be holy. Let me start with this question, why? Why should we be holy? What are the reasons that you're called to be holy? The obvious one is this, because God is holy. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's the fundamental reason that, that God is holy and you claim to be his child. You claim to be his son or, your, or his daughter and so God says, be like me. Your character should reflect his character your thoughts should reflect his thoughts because he is your heavenly father. It's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. One of the cutest things is when you see a, a little boy trying to be like his dad. You know, dressing like his dad and copying his actions and sitting on a computer trying to be like his dad. Or trying to fix up shelves like his dad or with a hammer and a saw. And it's just cute. But this is not cute. This is actually essential. If you claim to be a child of the Heavenly Father, you're to live like him. But if that was the only reason to be holy, then you would leave here tonight feeling guilty. Of course you would, because you can never be like him. You're going to fail. But thankfully, God gives us other reasons. Why should you be holy? Because God calls you to be different from the world, to be distinctive. 
Israel was set apart from the other nations. Chapter 20, verse 26. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. That was Israel. They were different. Uh, What they ate was different. What they wore was different. Their relationships were different. Their family lives were different. Their work lives were different. Their sex lives were different. Their attitude to money was different. They were just radically, radically different from the nations around them. And so when the the nations saw the Israelites, they say, oh yeah, they're different. They belong to God. And that's why you're called to be holy. What does Jesus say? Be in the world, but not of the world. What does Peter say? Be strangers and aliens in the world. Because this isn't your home. So live in this world as though you are different. But again, if that was the only reason, yeah, you'd leave here crushed and burdened and guilty. Because let's face it, the world is very attractive. I'm seduced by the world almost every day. Almost every day I do something or say something or think something which is not different from the world. Look at those two reasons. Be holy because God is holy. Be holy because you're called to be distinctive. If that was it, let's write down the, the rules, write down pages upon pages upon pages of rules and get totally and utterly exhausted trying to keep these rules. And maybe that's your problem. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you call yourself a Christian But all your lives, you felt exhausted by trying to keep the rules. And maybe you've never understood that that being godly is actually just a response to what God has done for you. Or maybe you're one of those legalistic, proud, arrogant, pompous idiots who thinks that they can just be right with God by keeping all these rules. Now, why should you be holy? Yes, because God is holy. Yes, because you're called to be different, but this is the most liberating truth in Scripture. Here it is. Be holy because God calls you holy. God sees you as holy. God declares you to be holy. Holiness is given to you by God himself. It's imputed to you by God himself. The holy God has made you holy. That's extraordinary. 20 verse 7. Consecrate yourselves. Yes, do something. Yes, be holy. Because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Same in 21 verse 15. I am the Lord who makes you holy. See, God declares us and God sees us as holy. That's our status. That's our identity. I am set apart for God. I am chosen by God. I've been made holy by God. Who is God talking to here? The Israelites. Where are they? Mount Sinai. Exodus 19. What does God call them? My holy people. My chosen nation. They didn't look like it, did they? You know, God rescued them through the Red Sea and they grumbled and they said, oh, we'd rather have died in Egypt. And when they were thirsty, they were grumbling, saying, we've got no water, so God gave them water. And when there's no food, they're grumbling again. They don't look like God's holy people, but God declares them to be holy. Yeah, they constantly fail. Yeah, they're constantly unclean. But God says, no, you're my holy ones. Same with us. 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. 
do something. Make a conscious decision to be different. Be self-controlled. Do something. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Look to the future when the day when Jesus Christ is going to come back again. As obedient children, do something. Don't conform to the evil desires you had. But just as he he called you as holy, be holy. But look at that first word. It's such an important word. Therefore, in response to, because of, in response to what? The fact that God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In response to the fact that though you don't see Jesus, uh, you believe in him and your heart is filled with inexpressible joy. In response to the fact that you've been cleansed, you've been washed, you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven. In response to all that, be holy. It's there again in 1 Peter 2. You are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people belonging to God. Uh, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people. Dear friends, I urge you then, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from evil desires. Have you got it? Uh, Striving for holiness, the longing to be holy, is all in response to the fact that God has already declared you as holy. Uh, See, what is the most common word in the Bible to describe a Christian? It's not the word Christian, that only appears twice in the New Testament. It's not the word disciple, that appears 28 times. The most common word to describe a Christian is the word saint. Saints, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Thessalonica. Saints means the the holy ones. To my holy ones who are churching in Thessalonica. To my holy ones who are churching in Philippi. To my holy ones who are churching in in Kirribilli. See, if you're in Christ, that's the phrase that Paul uses, in Christ. It means that you are one with Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees you, not as the wretched sinner that you really are, but he sees you as washed and clean and holy. Have you thought about that? Jesus, your blood and your righteousness. That's my beauty that I wear and my dress. Not my own beauty, but your beauty. And when God looks at me, yeah, I'm a wretched sinner. I'm not holy. Spend 10 minutes with me and you'll realize I'm not holy. But I know God sees me as holy. Because I'm in Jesus. And what have I done to deserve that? Absolutely nothing. It's all about grace. Why was I chosen? I don't know. I don't deserve it. See, when you've grasped this, it is totally, totally liberating because you have got an obligation day by day, hour by hour, week by week to be holy. But God doesn't demand from us what he hasn't first given us. He's just saying, be who you are. Be who you are. I've saved you, I've washed you, I've cleansed you, you're holy in my sight. Just get out there and be who you really are. His grace is sufficient, his spirit assures us and encourages us and empowers us to live the holy life that he calls us to be. And that is just liberating. You ever been to one of those parties where you just feel completely out of place? You know, you, you've made the effort, you, you try to dress like them, and they're all talking about stuff that you know nothing about. 
It might be the, the stock market. You know nothing about it. And you're desperately trying to just have a conversation with them. But you're, you're totally out of place. And you come home and you put in your, on your tracky dacks or you stick on a DVD. And you, you just, you, you're just yourself again. And you can just be who you are and you just go, that was hard work. This is who I am. And we're supposed to live in this world going, that is hard work. Because I'm not like the rest of the world. I'm holy. I just want to wake up each day and just be who I am. A holy one set apart for my God. I hope you've got it. I'm, I am laboring this point because we like rules and we like to think we need to do something. If you're in Jesus, the old has gone, the new has come. You're a new creation. So April 26th of the day I got married. I've got the certificate. Finally, <laughs> man and wife. I am married. And now I'm just called to live as a married man. I can't be more married than married. I am married. But I can choose either to live as a married man or just to cling on to the single life. If I try to live each day, you know, five nights a week having tuna and pasta at 10 o'clock like I did for, for the last 10, 20 years, if I chose to, to live, you know, never sharing a house with Rachel and staying up till midnight watching rubbish on TV as a single man as I did, I wouldn't enjoy the benefits of being married. It's crazy. And God's just saying to you tonight, if you're in Jesus, you are holy. He sees you as holy. I just enjoy the benefits of being holy by, by living who you are. Now what would that look like? We've got 11 chapters of it. We're not going to look at them all. It is pretty comprehensive. Who's called to be holy? Everybody. Individuals, priests, families, communities. What areas of life? Every area of life. Your home life, your church life, your work life, your thought life, your sex life, your recreation life. Just flick through some of the chapters. Chapter 17. The Israelites were called to be holy in their religious life, the way they approach God, their attitude towards God. 17 verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, This is what the Lord's commanded. Any Israelites who sacrifices an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp or outside of it, instead of bringing it, bringing it into the entrance of the tent of meeting, to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, that man should be considered guilty of bloodshed, and he should be cut off from his people. So the way that you approach God, you mean to show you're different, you are holy, you're obedient people. Your family life, you to be holy. Chapter 18. Speak to the Israelites, say to them, I'm the Lord your God, you mustn't do as you did in Egypt. What do they do in Egypt? They have incestuous relationships. So you be different. Uh, you mustn't do as they do in the land of Canaan. What do they do in the land of Canaan? They, or they tattoo themselves, so don't be like that. Uh, you must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. Verse 6, no one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations with them. And so you've got this long list. You can't have sex with your sister or your sister-in-law or your daughter-in-law or your aunt or your step-aunt or your, your mother or your mother-in-law or your stepmother. It's crazy. Verse 20, don't have sexual relationships with your neighbor's wife. Don't commit adultery. Verse 22, don't lie with a man as one lies with a woman. Same sexual activity is wrong. Verse 23, don't have sexual relations with an animal. It says with your sex life, make sure you're living as holy people. What else? Chapter 19. 
Oh, uh, in your relationships, where you talk to each other. Verse 11, don't lie, don't deceive one another, don't tell half-truths. Uh, down to uh, verse 16, do not go about spreading slander. If you're a holy person, you don't say nasty things about people behind their back. If you've got a problem, you say it to their face. Uh, verse 17, don't hate your brother in your heart. It's okay to rebuke your neighbor if, if it's true. But verse 18, don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. Love your neighbor as yourself. So don't hold on to that thing they did wrong weeks ago or months ago or years ago. Forgive them because you're holy. And it goes on and on and on. Verse 30, observe my Sabbaths. So as holy people, make sure that you take a day where you, you rest from your work and you, you rest from all your recreational activities and you just spend a day being refreshed by the Lord. And as you read these chapters, you get this, this overall picture, your, your work life, your home life, your, your marriage relationships, your recreation, your money, your attitude towards, towards a poor and needy. It's all about being holy. See, holiness is not just something that you, you switch on and off. You are holy, so 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, you live as holy people. Stop compartmentalizing. You are holy, so be holy. And can you imagine what that would look like for us? Tomorrow morning you wake up and you say, oh, I'm holy. I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so as you walk to the train station, you bump into a person who who has defrauded you in some way. And you say, good morning, how are you? How was your weekend? And you walk past the beggar on the street, and what you think about that person and the way you respond to that person will show whether you really are living out your holy status. And then you walk into the office, and there's that secretary who you know has been slandering you behind your back. And the way you respond to her will say, actually, no, I'm holy. I'm not going to stoop to your level. I'm not going to slander you. I'm holy. I'm going I'm to live that out. And then the phone rings. It's a client. And, you know, you had really hard conversations with this client because they owe you some money. And you could choose to be angry and nasty, but you could say, no, no, I'm holy. I'm different. And the way you speak to them will be different. And who you choose to have lunch with will be different. And how you choose to spend your money will be different. And the way you, you react on the sporting field will be different. Just your whole life will be very, 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 very different. Because you're just being who you are. Someone who's holy and chosen by God. And before we jump into these rules, we've got to grapple with the question, how do you know which of these apply to you? Now, surely Jesus has come and this is all just defunct now, isn't it? No, because the law is still good and the New Testament still calls you to be holy, to reflect the character of God. So you don't ignore these rules if the principle still applies. Now some people have tried to categorize these laws. You know, you've got the, the ceremonial laws about the animal sacrifices and, of course, Jesus is our sacrifice, so, so they don't apply. And you've got these social laws like, you know, don't be like the Canaanites, so don't tattoo yourselves and don't be like the Egyptians, so don't commit incest. But they don't apply anymore because we're not living amongst the Canaanites. But then you've got the moral laws, you know, honor your father and mothers and don't lie and don't slander. They do still apply. It's nice and it's neat, but actually it's hard to categorize these laws. 
And the question when you come to this law is, what is the, the controlling principle behind the law? Let's take some of them. We're not farmers, so we don't plant fields with different seeds. But the principle behind that is, you know, make sure that you, you are different and distinct from the nations in the way that you work and how you choose to live. You know, we, we don't live amongst a society where tattooing yourself is showing that you are, you know, uh, that you're like the rest of the world. But the principle behind that is, as Christian people, as people who are washed in the blood of Jesus, think about how am I showing myself to be different in the world? Look for the controlling principle and don't use it as an excuse, oh, that's now different. Do the hard work in the Bible. I'm going to show you how you do that with one example. Here it is. The example is this. It's a really hard one which the Spirit has really convicted me this week of. If I'm living as a holy person, if I'm claiming to be washed by the blood of Jesus, I will love the marginalized. If I'm claiming to be holy, I will love the poor, I will love the needy, I will love the deaf and the blind and the elderly and the immigrants. And I'll love all those people that society dismisses and all those people who get the patronizing nod in our election campaigns because I'm holy and I want to love them. Let me show you how it works. Verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen, leave them for the poor and the aliens. And you go, oh, I'm not a farmer. It doesn't apply for me. No, what's the principle behind that? The principle is this, that the farmers of those days, if they were really set apart for God, uh, they wouldn't harvest right to the edge and they'd leave some grain all around the edge. And, and they wouldn't go over the field a second time to pick up all the grapes that they missed the first time. Why? Because they love the poor and the needy. And so the farmers would say, I'm going to leave some of this food, leave some grain around the edge, leave some, some grapes on the field for those who can't afford to feed themselves, for those who can't afford to buy at market prices. They just let the people wander through their field because it's not their field, it's God's field. It's not their crop, it's God's crop. So we're not farmers and we do have a welfare system. So what's the principle behind this law? Here's the principle. Those who have much, uh, don't grab it all for yourself. Don't have your financial life so that you go right up to the edges, but leave a margin. Leave a margin around the edge. Don't, don't mortgage yourself up to the hilt. Don't take every cent and every dollar and spend it all on self, 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 self. But recognize there are people in the world who are less off, well off than you are. And you care for them. And you provide for them. I think it's beautiful when you see Christians who are holy and they're seen to care for the poor and needy. I think of a woman called Penny who who cares for refugees. She actually houses them until they can find somewhere permanent to live and clothes them and feeds them. And uh, I know a friend called Tim who has a cafe. He doesn't charge the poor for coffee. He just gives them a cup of coffee. I've got a friend called Simon who is probably more wealthy than 99% of people here tonight. 
But, you know, he's incredibly generous. He doesn't just give to the poor and needy. He actually gets out amongst them, <laughs> takes off the suit, gets dressed in his jeans, and goes and feeds and cares for them and loves them and meets their needs. Can you imagine the whole teams in this church just serving the poor and needy and caring for the poor and needy and being generous with what God's given us? Can you imagine, imagine just the whole of Kirbilly, which is flooded with $10 notes, just lying around the ground, because you've gone to the ATM and you've taken out 110 bucks and you just dropped 10 bucks on the floor. And you just left it for those people who need it. And the rich people don't go past and think, oh, scored tonight, 10 bucks. They leave it there for the poor and the needy. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Because if we are holy, we're called to be different to the way that we react to the poor and the needy. Tonight, there are 20 million people in Pakistan who are being displaced by the floods. And the world might say, oh, you know, Pakistan's always gone through this disaster. That's, that's, not, that's why we're not giving this time or terrorist threats in Pakistan. But we are different because we're Christians and God loves those people and God has made those people in his image. And we're called to care for them. Not just the poor and needy. If you've got staff, if you've got employees... Look at verse 13. Don't hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. The principle there is you were paid every day. If you didn't get paid, you couldn't eat. If you didn't get paid, you couldn't provide for your family. So don't hold back the wages. And the principle now is if you've got staff, show that you're holy by the way you treat them. Don't quibble over every dollar. Don't quibble over every hour. Treat them fairly. Care for the, the deaf, care for the blind. What about the elderly? What's the principle behind verse 32? Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. He's saying treat the elderly with the dignity and respect that's due them. Recognize their wives. They have lived. They do know more than you. Our society says it's all about the young people. Our church says it's all about the youth. And the Bible says, no, no, respect and treat the older people with, with the dignity they deserve. Don't be arrogant. Reveal your God by the way you respond to the old people. I mean, Julia and Tony would love this one. Being holy means loving the immigrants. Verse 33. When an alien lives with you in your land, don't mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native-borns. Love him as yourself. For you are aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Not just treating them justly, but loving them unconditionally and listening and learning and welcoming. It's a beautiful thing when you see them marginalized, being treated differently because we're holy. Have you got it? You are holy, so, so be holy. And right tonight, you have got a chance to put that into action by the way that you respond to anybody in need. It might be costly. It might cost you money. It might cost you time. It might cost you emotional energy. But you're called to be different. You're called to be the people that you really are, holy and set apart for God. So the Bible does say, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. But you know, you are holy. 
God sees you as holy. That's why you can say that. If you're in Christ, God sees you as holy, so you will see the Lord. Soon and very soon, you will see him face to face. But tomorrow, next week, next year, until Christ returns, be holy. Live as the people that you really are. Let me pray. Let me read a verse. Let's make this up. Uh, it comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. One Thessalonians three verse twelve. May the Lord make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. And may the Lord strengthen our hearts so that we will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And chapter five says the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it.